give the Pharisees a little bit of a break. Again, we do vilify them, and there are reasons okay. to... Hindsight is 2020. Right, but. so the resurrection yeah. changes everything. But in the time, it was reasonable caution about some random guy yeah. who is doing things that they don't know who he is. He didn't go through the system. Welcome to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and you're currently joining us in the middle of our in-depth series on the Sermon on the Mount. This study is different in that it is eight weeks with five daily episodes to help foster a deeper understanding of Jesus' words. If you would like to get the homework, more information about this series, hear past episodes, or access any of our free resources, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. Week four, day two. Okay, so now we're really going to dive into the core passage. The core passage for this whole week is Matthew 5, 17, all the way through 20. We're going to actually spend two days on 17 because it's intense. And anytime something is repeated in scripture, especially if it's repeated in proximity. So Jesus says the same thing twice in this one passage, and I'll read it. I think we should sit up and take notice. What, why did he say it twice? What do we really need to understand here? So Matthew 5, 17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So he says, don't think I've come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. So what I want us to do today is really understand contextually why that was a game changer for the culture at his time. And then we'll try to, you know, really extrapolate why is that a game changer for us? We did a little bit of that yesterday, but I think it's worth doing every day. So in order for us to uh, do that, we have some scriptures to look at. But before we look at the scriptures, let's just take the low hanging fruit. Why do you think Jesus would say that? And why do you think he would say it twice? Well, for emphasis, I'm sure people got the message. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, very. That's what I wrote. Very, yeah. I mean, anytime I say something twice or 18 times to one of my children, mm-hmm. it's because I really want that to sink in, right? And, or a friend or whatever. And yeah, he's really emphatic about this. Mm-hmm. So it's a good word. Okay, let's look at Matthew 4. We're going to look for some context. And what we're going to find in (coughs) scriptures elsewhere in the New Testament, in the Gospels, are ways that Jesus and the keepers of the law, so remember, so we talk a lot about Pharisees. And sometimes in our church, we make Pharisees the other. We're like those idiots. When Jesus was around and they just couldn't get it, they didn't understand and weren't they stupid? Let me just set that expectation now. We are the Pharisees. We are the people who are who are more likely to hold on to our rules and our checklists than we are to hold on to the spirit and and love of Christ. That's just we're built that way. Our flesh is wired that way. And so as we talk through the way that Jesus interacted with his culture, both the religious culture and the non-religious culture, Gentiles of the time, I think it's really important for us to resist the urge to call them the other, but instead to embrace that we have characteristics that reflect these people. And the reason that they're so popularly discussed in scripture is so that we can see ourselves in there. We can see the mistakes that we are inclined to make. So I just want to maybe set that as a let's think differently about the Pharisees because You know, it's like thinking about the Old Testament folks and like, why would they do that? Why were they disobedient? They are us. And so don't keep it at arm's length. Really try to 
embrace that, okay, how am I, how am I doing that behavior? Or how am I likely to do that behavior? How am I in danger of falling into that thinking? That's, that's the better way to apply these scriptures about the Pharisees. So as we look at those, let's just keep that in mind because I don't want it to feel back then. I don't want it to feel like, oh, well, back then the culture, the context, this is a, because it still has meaning for us. It has Mm -hmm. deep meaning for us. And I want us to get that. So I just want to frame our minds that way. Okay, so let's read about, and we use the word Pharisees, but let's remember they were the keepers of the law. They were basically the lawyers. They were the ones who knew the law best and helped people around them and stay accountable to the law Mm -hmm. and so forth. So think about them as the keepers of the law. I think that also helps us to do this Christ and the law. uh, And it also keeps us from Yeah, stiff-arming the Pharisees, yeah. Yeah. Okay, is that something we can do? Okay, so let's read Matthew. Marilyn, would you please read for us Matthew 4, 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him All who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. That's Matthew 4, 23 to 25. So from that passage, why would potentially religious leaders see Jesus as, I'm just going to say, why would they maybe see Jesus as a threat? Now that I know what you were going for with that, because I wasn't sure in the beginning, he was taking away their followers in essence, even though he wasn't, because they should have been happy because he is who he is. But they see this guy, this fisherman carpenter, who comes along and starts saying things to challenge them because their hearts may or may not be in it. And the people see who Christ is because he's genuine and who he is, and they were threatened by that. It challenged them to then potentially look in their hearts. I think about some of them, like Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea, who kind of got it and became followers. Mm -hmm. There were multitudes of others who just were so jealous so challenged, mm-hmm. so threatened. How, how, we, we're doing these things the right way. How right. can you go to these other people? They just couldn't understand that. I think that's good. I want to give you guys a chance to reflect on that before I, you, you brought a couple things up for me, but I want to see if you guys want to comment on it first. Well, Jesus was dealing with people who were non-Jewish, people from Syria and the Decapolis, and ceremonial law said they were not supposed to associate with non-Jews. They were not supposed to be in contact even, and here he was touching them and healing them. I don't want to go too far afield of what's right in front of us, but maybe to add a little bit of richness to the thinking contextually, there were a lot of false messiahs that came through what what we call the period of Second Temple Judaism. And so I think it's reasonable to a certain degree for the religious leaders of the temple of Judaism to eschew this who knows who he is, where he comes from, or where his power is coming from. 
And so let's put that in context for just a minute, just to give the Pharisees a little bit of a break. Because all throughout the Gospels, we also see magicians. Sorcerers. Yeah, sorcery. So we, you know, on the surface, a religious leader might say, in fact, they ask him, from where do your does your authority come? And so I think what we said is true, but there's also that underlying, they're trying to protect the people of God through the word of God that they know for sure came from God. I guess they're just understandably like cautious. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Like, Again, we we do vilify them, and there are reasons yeah. to. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Like right, 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 right. So the resurrection yeah. changes everything. But in the time, it was reasonable caution. That's a great expression. It was reasonable caution about some random guy. Yeah, yeah like that's who is doing things that they don't know who he is. He didn't go through the system. Mm-hmm. You know, like Paul talks about, I went through the system, yeah. right? <laughs> but when you said Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, the one I actually thought of was Gamaliel, mm-hmm. who said to his followers, let's watch and see. Don't judge yet. Mm-hmm. Let's wait and see in the same way that Jesus says a tree is known by its fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that is so interesting to think about contextually too, that it wasn't that all of the religious leaders were immediately against him. But those who were, there was a reasonable expectation of this is how God raises up his religious leaders. And this guy didn't come through that way. And what do we do with that? It was a something I didn't know, but really opened my eyes when I learned there were lots of messiahs yeah, that yeah. came at that time. And so why wouldn't they think this was just another guy yeah. saying, it's me? Yeah. Although Jesus never said it was, you know, he didn't yeah. say, but he showed it. Yeah. And so it, interesting, lots of interesting things we could get into uh, with this particular passage and that reasonable caution, mm-hmm. but also understandable that a religious leader, someone who loves the Lord and loves the law would want to protect the people right. that are in their flock yeah. from what they think might be a false teacher. I mean, we would say that that's true for us today, right? We would want our pastors to keep us safe and and protected from false leadership. So it's interesting if we could just put that into a little bit of a different context, that, that, that they felt threatened, they felt in conflict with him, and that's understandable. So I just wanted to Maybe dig into that a little bit. Yeah. So let's see what happens in Mark two twenty three to 28, Sophia. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar? the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Okay. What about this one? This one's more clear to me. The conflict is that he's doing things on the Sabbath, and he's not following like one of their strict rules. Right, right. And what else do you see in there? Not only is he not doing that... He's like totally like he snaps back. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, no, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Right. What do you think about that? So that's a little bit of an escalation. That feels abolishy. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. So, so well, you could see the, where it would be interpreted yeah, yes. by a strict. Yes. 
law keeper. But he actually is just reframing it. Yeah, like, no, you just don't understand this the way it was meant. Yeah, it's not. He's not in conflict with it. They just didn't understand. That's what one of my professors said. That we never have. It's kind of the same thing. Like there was no conflict between Jesus and the law. There was only ever conflicts between the understanding of the law and the understanding of Jesus. Yes, and that's what we say about. That's what one of my like science professors said about science is there's no conflict between science and jesus there's just conflict between er, and, and the gospel there's just conflict between the understanding of the two like human yeah. understanding of the two mm-hmm. yeah so yeah he's that's a, that's such a good way of thinking that and and that's true all over kingdom things mm-hmm. you just named two the old testament law mm-hmm. and christ mm-hmm. science mm-hmm. and god People will also often try to pull up contradictions right here in the word itself. At the end of the day, it's not that God contradicts himself. It's that he is so far above us that we don't always understand Mm -hmm. his perfection. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that it was understandable that you couldn't see the whole thing until Jesus was resurrected, Mm -hmm. there are still things that we aren't, we don't know at all. There are still things that will be revealed to us and give us a new, fresh understanding in God's good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's really good, really good insight of this text. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like kind of like a cop-out answer. It's like, oh, well, we were just wrong. But it's true. Like, it's not Of like, course it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course it's yeah. true. It's like if you were using a machine and you messed up how you used that machine and then you went back to the manufacturer and wanted to get your warranty, but you were the one mm-hmm. who messed it up. Mm-hmm. So he's the creator. He's the author. He's the one he says what was who what knows was how it goes perfectly. Yeah. We know right. we don't know that. Right. Yeah. Other insights from the Mark passage. I just love his answer that Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, he really points out where again we've we've missed the meaning. We've yeah. missed God's heart on yeah. that. Yeah. Do you find that that's something that's easy for us to do too, even now? Yes. Miss uh, God's heart miss these little things like yeah. that that's such a that's so profound the sabbath was made for man yeah, not man for yeah. the sabbath it's so profound but we're like oh feel all guilty if we didn't get to church yeah. and mm-hmm. you know it's so deep in us mm-hmm. to do this checklist business mm-hmm. and yet i struggle with you know we elevate the ten commandments as moral law and one of the ten commandments is remember the sabbath day to keep it holy so how do we balance that mm-hmm. with um, the Sabbath being made for man, and what's not your, the other What's way your around. best guess? What's your knee jerk on that? Since My you knee jerk it? is that God wants us to rest and to take time off from our regular routine, and that means different things to different people. Globally, <laughs> I'm going to ask you because you said it before. I'm putting you on the spot again. So she said, "How do we reconcile the Sabbath was made for man and man not for this not mm-hmm. man for the Sabbath?" Right, that yeah, thing, not yeah. man for the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. In the context of that being a commandment. Mm-hmm. Moral law as opposed to What's ceremonial. that about? What are those laws for? You said it before. I mean, as we're saying all of this, it all goes back to two things. Our hearts towards the Lord mm-hmm. and his heart towards us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to your point of he wants us to rest, he wants us to rest, but rest in him. Yeah. So that's why you're keeping it holy. And so to your point that you said some people observe it some way and some people observe it a different way, ultimately our existence and everything is to please the Lord. So if he wants us to rest on those days because he is watching out for us, he wants us to rest in him because that's where we find our rest. Yes. And so 
these things, to your point, he's not contradicting with the corn and them eating it because it goes back to, and I still, like I was listening to what you were saying about the Pharisees, but you know, I still go back to the fact where most of them were kind of like, we do these laws and you know everyone should follow them because that's the right thing to do because that's how we're being godly because they, I keep going back to this, are missing what the heart is about it and how your heart is supposed to be towards the creator mm-hmm. of the universe who has made a way for you to be in, in his presence even. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the guideline. As he sets these laws out, they're to show us who he is and it's also his caring for us. Yes. Yeah. Just That's what I was going how, for. Like, he doesn't need the law. Right. He's laid it all out for us for our benefit. For our yeah. benefit. Yeah, that's to what I wanted to frame. Is. All of yeah. the Old Testament laws, uh, all of the uh, Ten Commandments, they're really for our good. Yeah. Right. And they're for our good. Yeah. So it fits perfectly, the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath as a commandment. And the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, because all of the Ten Commandments are made for our good. Mm-hmm. And the first four are our orientation to God. And the second six are our orientation for each to each other. Mm-hmm. But they're all to keep us in harmony with the way he created us and designed us in to image. live fully. And in his image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while yeah. you guys were talking, I was thinking, because I was like, well, why does it matter? Like, do we have to rest? Like, and <laughs> if you, well, you know what I mean? I do. I'm just laughing because, you know, I'm bad at resting. Well, yeah. So, but if, if you have a baby and it's time for their nap, and they're kicking and screaming and don't want to take a nap. You're, you still make them take the nap yeah. because you know that's what's best for them, even though they feel like they don't want to. Or right. And he knows how he made that's us. Good. Yeah. So yeah. he knows that we we won't rest yeah. Yeah. unless he says. Yeah. Because we're yeah. always striving. Because we believe that our striving is going to earn us something good. Right. It's all cyclical. Mm-hmm. I understand all that, but... In modern day, here and now, how do we keep the Sabbath? What is Sabbath keeping? If the Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. what actually constitutes Sabbath keeping? I mean, when I was growing up, we had blue laws. Mm. Nothing was open on Sunday. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You couldn't go to the movies. You couldn't go to the supermarket. You couldn't go too many places. (laughs) You went to church. And, I, and my, my, my father was fairly strict. He wouldn't let my brothers play baseball on Sunday. Wow. You know, that kind of thing. He would watch it on TV, <laughs> but, but <laughs> my brothers couldn't play it. Now, and I still struggle with, you know, what is Sabbath keeping today? And, you know, if I'm doing it purely for the reason that it says do it, you know, and it's, again, not from the heart, right. then yeah. it's worthless. Yeah. Right. I think that's, yeah, because I, at school, I, I do a lot of my homework on Sunday. Like, that's just what I do. And it's like, is that wrong? I'm not, I'm not resting. That's not restful. It's not a restful experience for me. But it's what I need to do. It's it's the time that I've allotted to. But you also go to church. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's like it's it's what I need to do to feel like when I'm done, I feel rested. You know what I mean? If yeah. I feel calm and I feel like okay. This is a pretty personal question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I think Jody <laughs> hit a note that I think is probably the thing to keep in mind, which is remember that resting in the Lord is the truest rest. Mm-hmm. Resting in the Lord is remembering that my striving means nothing, that he's my creator, that he cares for me, that he knows me. It is a, it is a mental and physio- physiological and psychological resting in him. 
that can look different for a lot of people. One of the things that I really love about our denomination is the rigor of the process before you can become a pastor. And one of those rigorous steps is their examination on the floor of presbytery. So three times a year, the presbytery meets, it's like the, the regional group of churches. So it's like local church is your congregation. Then there's the presbytery, which is in ours is there's 46 churches in our region. And then there's the general assembly, which is like the whole country. Every time the presbytery meets, there are two or three examinations for pastors and they go through lots and lots of other examinations before they have to get degrees and like there's a strict requirement for how to be a pastor in our denomination which I love <laughs> because I don't think just you shouldn't just be able to sneeze and say I'm a pastor but the examination on the floor is an oral examination there's no like anyone on the presbytery floor can ask any question which I also love because man you've got to be prepared uh, but it's a foreshadowing of like anyone in your congregation could ask you any question. You better be ready. And this is how the Presbytery decides if you're ready to be a full pastor. But one of the things that they also ask is, do you have any exceptions to the Westminster Confession? The Westminster Confession uh, has a lot of rephrasing of the things that we find in Scripture to make sure that, you know, your beliefs are clear. And so many of the pastors take exception to the way that the Westminster Confession defines the Sabbath. And so I've heard that almost every time a pastor <laughs> is examined, they th th one of the questions is, do you take any exceptions? And then you have to defi you have to like defend your exception because uh, you can't just be like, well, I don't agree with that and be ordained in our denomination. And so I've heard so many upcoming pastors say, well, I do believe the Sabbath, Sabbath is meant for rest, but rest can mean different things to different people. Mm -hmm. and, and they'll say things like recreational activities are restful for me. Going out to dinner with my family is restful for me. Uh, and they'll say, these are the things that I like to do. And strictly speaking, if I like to knit, that could be defined as work. You're creating mm -hmm. something. Right, but I find that relaxing. And so that, that was really shed a lot of light for me on that whole Sabbath idea because I think it's it's different for everyone. There are... There are restrictions and there are um, guidelines but finding our rest in Christ is I think the goal and I want to get too I down agree. into the rabbit hole there I do think that we need to look at Matthew 17 1 through 3 now after six days Jesus took Peter James and John his brother led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light and behold Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him okay why in the world did I include the transfiguration as a commentary <coughs> on Matthew five seventeen that Jesus did not come to abolish the law or the prophets but to fulfill them Moses and represents the law and Elijah the prophets okay. so here's uh, Jesus meeting with them and and basically face to face it really gives them um, it reinforces the importance of the law and the prophets. Yes. And uniting perfect, them. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, the transfiguration was a significant moment. And the significance of those three figures together mm -hmm. is really symbolic. Mm -hmm. Do you get that symbolism? Yeah. Do you want to say more about it? Okay, you nailed it, so that's good. We just I just wanted to make sure I covered yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Okay, parting thoughts on Jesus and the law uh, as far as fulfilling... Yeah, I think it's just important that we know that it's it's the law and the gospel united instead of the law versus the gospel. Yeah, really good.
Thanks again for joining us today on Study with Friends. We hope that you've found some deep truths that will strengthen your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group, and we encourage you to find one through your local church. Make sure to find a church where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported organization. If you've been blessed by our ministry, would you consider donating? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We also love to hear from you. You can stay connected on all the major social media platforms or by email. You can find links to all of these on our website, studywithfriends.org. If you've missed an episode and are out on the go, you can catch them on any streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or you can catch the ladies via video on YouTube. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.